Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. My friends, we welcome you into another edition of Inside Boxing Live. I am your host, Dan Canobio. Boxing world, like I say, every single week is buzzing. We're getting ready for a huge fight weekend coming up uh, with an ESPN card featuring Jose Ramirez and Jose Pedraza. And then on Saturday night, the return of Chocolatito, Roman Gonzalez, taking on JC Martinez in a fight over on uh, zone. Thank you so much, everyone that tuned in last week for the Sugar Ray Leonard episode. Great one. Uh, it's been a great run here on Inside Boxing. I bring you some of the biggest names in the sport, covering the sport as a whole. And uh, this week, it's no different. We got Jamel Herring. Uh, he's going to be my co-host, of course, former 130-pound champion. Uh, we're going to get through all the big topics, whether it's Canelo Bivol, whether it's what we saw this past weekend with Josh Taylor and, and Jack Catterall, and just a really fun discussion with Jamel Herring. Later on, Lee Groves of CompuBox and a boxing historian will give us his top five, uh, top five Chocolatito moments and a breakdown of the Chocolatito fight, uh, which is upcoming uh, this weekend over on The Zone. It's a great fight weekend, Friday and Saturday night. Love that too. Also want to tell you, that this episode is brought to you by KO Tickets, serving fight fans since 1999. This spring schedule heating up. Uh, we're going to talk about that in this upcoming episode. So KO Tickets is your plug. Whether it's Chocolatito Fight this upcoming weekend, Jim Boone still has tickets at KO Tickets. You can still get tickets to see Chocolatito Fight uh, this weekend. Over uh, March 19th, you're going to see Virgil Ortiz, East Coast fans like myself, Edgar Berlanga, headlines a card at Hulu Theater, and of course, Katie Taylor and Amanda Serrano. KO Tickets is your plug. Call Jim Boone at 702-591-1638. You can text him as well. It's kotickets.com. The first 10 buyers to mention today's show will receive a free copy of Ring Magazine's November issue celebrating the 40th anniversary of Sugar Ray Leonard and Tommy Hearns, their first fight. That's kotickets.com. You don't have to deal with the apps. You don't have to deal with the website. You can talk to Jim Boone himself. I've done it myself. I've gotten tickets for friends, and uh, it turned out great. So kotickets.com. Appreciate that. Now, let's get to Jamel Herring. All right, let's bring in Jamel Herring. Uh, he is my co-host this week. I mean, yes. it was only a matter of time. It's only going to be a matter of time before you are like a full-fledged media member. Uh, the Jamel Herring <laughs> show has been in a full effect, like your little side career, obviously, world champion. Uh, also, Jamel Herring show. I've been there live to see those press conference uh, theatrics it. from you. So we're going to chop it up. Uh, obviously, we'll, we'll touch on your career and also get into... Uh, a lot of boxing, man. There is so much going on in the boxing world right now. But what's up? Oh, yeah. How's everything? Uh, you know, give us some updates. Um, everything's good. Everything's good. Um, like you said, I'm just I just need to get back in the ring. Um, <laughs> like I'm still I still have that itch. But um, for the most part, the time off has, has been good. I've been dibbling, dabbling on other things, obviously. But 
uh, I'm always excited to speak and be involved with boxing first. So yeah, of course you're uh, you you will have a broadcasting career when you to decide to hang them up, which is not going to be anytime soon. I know you want to fight again. Uh, you know, obviously coming off that that tough loss to Shakur Stevenson, uh, it was right. a great fight. It was a great lead up. Uh, you're a world champion for numerous uh, defenses. You, do you think you'll you'll stay at 130? Are you looking to maybe test the waters at 135? 140 is like I'm glad you brought be, that up. Soon I'm be wide open. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, actually, my next fight should be at lightweight at 135. Ooh, I, like I, I don't have it. And thing is, I don't have an issue staying at 130. That's but right true. now, um, after speaking with top rank, there's no really um, plausible um, bout that I can I can take at 130 at the moment. Okay. And and things are things are very interesting. Uh, you know, what I'm saying the weight class up north, which is at 135. And we all know I, I started my career at lightweight, so it wasn't really. It's not really an issue. Yeah. Um, for me, um, like I told them, if it makes sense, I'm all for it. Yeah. Um, I, I, as of right now, I can tell you, Dan, that we're actually looking at to face up against another former world champion at lightweight. So that's the update. Also, um, I should be back in May. So um, I say about in um, a few weeks or so, I should be back in um, in training camp with my team from Brian McIntyre, Red Spikes, East Side, East Side Diegas to have a full eight week camp. So I'm looking at like, again, um, May 14th, I should be back in the ring. Oh, nice. Yeah, the April schedule is loaded. So we know May 7th is gonna be Canelo Bivol. So I right. see May 14th, we see Jamel Herring back in the ring at 135, targeting a, a former world champion. I like that, uh, love that. So let's get into it, my friend. Um, well, I guess we can start with what happened last week. Uh, Josh Taylor, Jack Catterall fight. It was the biggest fight of the weekend. There were some it's just some bad scorecards. I don't know how you had the fight. I had uh, Catterall winning 7-5, 8-4, um, you know, right from the opening punch. The first punch of the fight was an right. overhand left that landed on Taylor. Many more of those to follow from Catterall. Uh, maybe faded late, but still was able to outland uh, Taylor down the stretch, and I thought did enough. Uh, how did you have that fight? And um, you can't be surprised by some, a bad scorecard. Um, no, I'm, I'm not surprised by um scorecard. I, it's crazy because I was actually traveling that day in that moment, and literally when I landed, I was seeing the um the point where it was the, the end of the twelfth round, and then you already you already know that infamous waiting around for the um for the for the, the scorecards, and I was like, what's going on here? So I, you know, of course, you know, I I still I still just waited. Then you know I'm I'm friends with Josh Taylor, so I, I when I seen the decision, I, I congratulated him, but not knowing what had happened and took place, and then I got the reaction from Twitter, and I love Twitter because Twitter is always gives you the news yes. right then and there. So when I look back on it again, um, like I said, I love Josh, but I believe that Catterall could have, you know, he, Jack could have definitely deserved that nod. And it just comes down to, you know, I know Josh was a lot, it's getting a lot of heat, but at the end of the day, Josh Taylor isn't the judge. You know, he's not in charge. He's not, you know, he doesn't have control of what the judges do. And that's that, that's the main problem. We have to um start doing something about the judging because a lot of people don't know boxing, they, as they say, is a poor man's sport. So what I mean by that is a win or loss can definitely decide how you can take care of your family and the opportunities you may get in the future. Mm -hmm. I mean, yes, the people might say Jack deserved the win, but in, in terms of the boxing aspect of it, Jack may have to take a step back or he may have to, um, again, climb to get to the top of the mountain again for an opportunity. Yeah. And that's where it hurt. And that's what, that's, that's what not only hurts the sport, but hurts a fighter. You, you, we don't know 
you know, Jack situation at home either. You know, he may be depending on these, these, um, these big paydays, but now he has to take a, um, you know, a smaller cut yeah, because of, of a bad decision that could have been easily, you know, um, you know, worked with if they had the, if they had the proper type of training and judging. The referee was abysmal. That was the worst <laughs> refereeing job in a big fight I have ever seen. He wanted to make himself part of the fight. Marcus McDonald, yeah. you're great. Now you're a, a household name in Scotland and probably in England too with Jack Carroll. But I guess hold the, hold the judges accountable is the least we can do. Find better judges. I've talked about this. And, and it's crazy. It's the least, but you always see it in the end. Those same judges, they'll be back on another big, yeah, a it's big a, fight card like it's three, a, four months down the road. Right, because Jamel, it's a it's a small group. Like, who the heck says, when I grow up, I want to be a boxing judge? No one. So it's just the same people. It's a small little pool. And, you know, I'm on an ageist, but most, most of these guys are older. They're retired. Uh, you know, they do it on the side. It's not a, jo- a full-time job. It doesn't exactly pay that well. So there needs to be like reform, but it's easier said than done. Just get it right. Maybe, you know, I know the WBC did a whole convention, a judging seminar, you know, they want to at least try to put out the uh, impression that they're looking to train their judges better. And it's just part of the sport. It's part of the sport. But like you said, Jack Catterall suffers. Uh, You know, he did take a step aside fee. So at least he got something there, but it's not going to, nothing's ever going to equal the amount he is, would have been set to make. Exactly. I mean, think about it. he he would have been he'd have been undisputed. That could have definitely yeah changed his whole like not just one belt. This he would have he would have been the lineal world champion. He would have been the he would have been Cambosos of one forty. He I mean I'm exactly. pretty sure he doesn't have Top like the world right. He doesn't have uh, I don't know his exact promotional um, you know contract or whatever. Uh, but I'm pretty sure he would have had a, a very good uh, leverage. Uh, oh, yeah, I mean let's, let's be honest here. Um, this is the UK. This is a UK um, based fighter as well. I mean, could you imagine him filling up? You know, stadiums yeah. just being just just for the UK having another undisputed world champion. So you know, <laughs> that so, goes a long way over there. Yeah, I hope he um, gets another big fight. Uh, you know, his stock has never been higher, but it's different. I mean, it's hundred percent different. You know, he's going to have to scrap and claw. The only thing maybe he has going for him is if Josh Taylor moves up to one forty-seven, which I really think he's going to do. I, I mean, yeah, I think that I he's think got to. I mean, obviously, you pointed out that opens up. Everything again, and um, you yeah, one forty is wide open. These, you might start seeing some of these um, even guys at lightweight. Let's not forget um, Teofimo Lopez. Devin he's Haney. been talking about moving up. Um, I won't be surprised if Devin Devin Haney gets frustrated with everything that's going on at one thirty five. But his situation, and he looks like he's he's busting out the seams. Mm-hmm. He moves up. So I mean, once like I always say, the boxing landscape easily changes in the three to six months. Like yeah. You'll have like this division can be hot. I mean, because at one point in time, remember when I when I was champion, when I first became champion in 2019, Super Featherweight, you had everybody. You yeah. had um with a with a belt. You had the guys like um Tank Davis, mm-hmm. um Tevin Farmer over here, Miguel Burchelt, myself. It was and it was just a loaded full of talent. And then like like in a blink of an eye, the guys are either losing belts or moving up and, 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 and so, so on. Quick. So, like the boxing landscape can easily change even for the um junior welterweight division if, if Josh Taylor relinquishes all those titles yeah and the, the eye. yeah they, they they'll, they'll just be dispersed and then all the games behind the scenes you know oh, yeah. promoters yeah. and the promoters, you know, promoters <laughs> definitely gonna yeah gonna put their guys in. I mean I mean let's be honest I mean even when Tyrant they 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 already have guys lined up 
Just, I mean, look at the um, Ramirez, um, the um, Jose Ramirez's next fight. Yeah, Pedraza. Um, Pedraza back, back in, um, you know, and, and so on. And there's so many guys that's already <laughs> that's already lined up to be the number one contender or fight for interim titles that can be t- that can turn them into world champions. Yeah, that when four belts get relinquished in a, in a blink, uh, you know, that all the promoters, all the networks come out and try to scoop those up, and that's exciting. You know, like there's always right. turnover in boxing when the fighters move up. In weight class, titles get relinquished. It keeps everything fresh, uh, and, I, and I like that. Let's talk quickly about a fight that also happened this weekend. Chris Colbert, one of the more shocking – I'm not really shocked that he lost because, um, you know, I thought he was a good fighter. I thought he was, uh, you know, not great. But, um, first of all, his game plan was just – I didn't understand it at all. Not a big puncher, so why are you doing a rope-a-dope? Right. Uh, you know, took on a guy that was hungrier, short notice – and then at the end, you know, just getting on your bike. I've seen, I said this afterwards on Twitter, I've seen fighters get on their bike because they have a fight locked up and they don't want to get risk not getting then, knocked yeah. out. Never seen a fighter run because they knew they lost. I mean, that's going to take a long time for to, to get over. It's going to take a long time for, for fans to forget. Nice kid. It's also going to take a while even for um, promoters, even with even um, Al Heyman himself to try to, sell sell him again as the next big thing i mean like i said people always remember people for the most part even my own my own situation they remember your last outing so it's up mm-hmm. to you as a fighter to go out there the next time around and you have to make a huge statement i mean i've been there even with um you know coming from when i fought jonathan or kendall or the criticism right. i took i mm-hmm. you know i took it on the chin but i knew as a fighter i had to come back and do something big and thank god for the frantic performance you know, I was back in there being, you know, mentioned as one of the best in my division at the time, even going into the um, fight with Shakur. But mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, as a fighter, you have a responsibility overall. So he has a lot of damage control that he needs to fix within himself. And he basically won't be able to do it until he gets back in the ring because they'll like, especially today in the world of social media, fans will always remind you. If you even speak on a fight, they're going to bring up your fight. <laughs> they, oh, yeah, his they, mentions they, are probably they, brutal. You can't do anything. So, but yeah, I mean, like you said, I never seen it where you knew you were down, but you took the last three, three rounds, two, three rounds off to um run run circles around the ring. Yeah, I, I never seen that. Never seen it. I mean, I've never been in the ring, so who am I to to, to judge? But I mean, I, I do comment on the sport and uh I've seen it a lot a lot of it. I've never seen something like that. I mean, you know, maybe who knows? I thought his legs looked bad uh from the get-go. I just thought the game plan was off. And, and who knows? Maybe maybe he had a bad weight cut. Who knows? I mean, you, I mean, these are things that I, I also look at as a fighter, but at the same time, you know, the like again, the fight fans don't care to hear it, especially when you're a guy that's been talking, having a lot of brass talk comments about yeah, I saw your tweet around you, yeah, around you, around your weight. I mean, like like I said, the guy attacked me after my fight with Shakur. But again, I'm fighting some guy who's had a full camp and is one of the best up and coming fighters in the sport of boxing. Yeah. You, you on the other hand, you talk down on the man who had a three big notice, and then you basically ran, you know, to the closing round, the championship rounds. Yeah. Humble pie. He's gonna eat some humble pie, and uh, that's that's the beauty of boxing. You, right. you, you talk trash you better back it up because if you go <laughs> running they're gonna come running after you they're coming they're gonna come <laughs> running hard on on social media uh whether it's instagram i think back to danny garcia when he fought uh what was it uh when he lost to herrera or um 
he was just hitting with the cherries, the cherries in the comment section. I think that went on for like a couple of years. Every time right. he had a fight coming up, they, they, they threw cherries at, at, at and, <laughs> and Danny's crazy. not a bad, and Danny, Danny's actually a good fight. I mean, this guy who, Great um, guy. he say, wasn't supposed to win that fight. He beat Americana. Wasn't supposed to win that fight. Mm-hmm. But it, it's that one fight, and, and and it just basically haunted him. Yeah. All right. Let's move on. Uh, we're going to be rolling out Canelo versus Bivol press conference this week. We're going to formally announce the fight for May 7th. I love this fight. Um, uh, I just think Canelo is just on another level right now, just hopping weight classes. You know, this isn't an old Kovalev at 175. This is like... Isn't the guy at 175 because that's better be of, but this is the second best light heavyweight in boxing he's right still now. Dangerous. Yeah, Bevo is still he's, he's tricky. He's very tricky. He's he's not he's not maybe the most not maybe he doesn't have the best killer instinct, but he's he's very fundamentally sound as a fighter. And I, I, and I, I like Bevo, of course. Of you know the clear cut favorite will be Canelo. Like this guy mm-hmm. right now, whether you like it or not is the face of boxing. So, you know, like you pointed out, he's jumping up, up and down weight classes, trying to fight, you know, champion of the champion. So you got to give him that. But yeah, I mean, it's still, I think still, it'll be a, a fun fight. And of course, fans will still tune in. Yeah, of course. That's the thing. It's like, when you get to the, the, the level of Canelo, it's like, everyone has an opinion on him. Good, bad, ugly. He's great. This, that, and the other. But, you know, when it comes down to it, you're going to watch his fights. He is he's the Mayweather of this era where you have to I tune in to see. I, I, I know some of my friends hate to hate, hate when I say it, but I'm like, hey, at one point in time, Floyd could do whatever he wanted. And like yeah. you pointed out, fans were going to they could complain about it all through the buildup, but they always tuned in. The same thing for Canelo. Yeah, they want to see him. They want to I, see I, him. I'm saying like these guys get to a level and they, and they don't want to fight, you know, but, you know, but these guys are still fighting champions at the end of the day. Okay, just because they might not be fighting the champion you want to see exactly you right now doesn't yeah. mean that they're not fighting competitive fights. Even yeah. when, um another point, um even uh, from away from this, the, um Lomachenko Cambosa situation. Mm-hmm. I mean, people are, are upset that Cambosa is fighting Lomachenko instead of guys like Devin Haney, but Let's not forget Lomachenko is not a is not an easy outgoing. You know, <laughs> yeah. like, I, like, like, okay, just because he doesn't have his O, that's is one thing. But it's not a duck. Is still, it's still a competitive, a great fighter in his own right. Yeah, it's, it's not a dangerous. duck. People were saying, uh, you know, <laughs> George Cambosa's first defense, if everything goes right, is going to be against Lomachenko. I mean, that's absurd. That doesn't. I mean, that should be celebrated because, but it's just fans. You know, fans. I always say fans is short for fanatical, so they're yeah. fanatical. Whether you're you want Canelo to face Charlo, whether you want him to face Benavides, whether you think he's not fighting them for a reason. Same thing with Haney. A lot. There's a lot of fans that. that I think mean, Haney can, can both in, the, in his own right, especially after after the long wait and build up to get to um to get to your female Lopez. You would normally you would normally give him a pass if you got that one homecoming. You know yeah. that one coming homecoming tune about, yeah. but like you put out, his first defense is, is Lomachenko, and you and people are still upset about that. That's crazy. <laughs> it's boxing fans, man. They're great. <laughs> They're great. They're very passionate. I'll, I'll give them that. They're in my mentions all the time, and uh, you know. But but B-ball is tough, man. He is tricky, like you said. He's very very tricky. He's got sneaky good power. Uh, yeah. He he can throw 60, 70 punches around. Uh, he, he'll jab your face off. He'll move. He's big. And there's no rehydration clause. Which and is think about it also, like you pointed out, all the all the trace of um Bevo, um people people forget even at at um light heavyweight Lomachenko. I mean Canelo was having issues with um with Kovalev yeah, because yeah. of the jab. 
definitely. And this, like I said, this is that that was a um a old tired, you know, war torn Kovalev at the time. When you look at it now, if you play, if you, if you put those same traits on a, on a younger guy like Bebo who who though who actually had a higher output. It could, like I said, it could be a, a more fun fight than what people actually expected. No, it's going to be a really good fight. I think, I think that Bivol's last couple of performances of kind of, you know, people like, uh, he's not knocking out guys that he should knock out. You know, he's, he's kind of, you know, UD, he's just unanimous decision Bivol, but I'm telling you, he, it's different when you fight up, some guys fight up to their competition. Some guys yeah. fight down to their competition. You know, his last two fights have been against relative unknowns on small cards. This is right. all eyes on you. Well, uh, probably Las Vegas, Cinco de Mayo weekend against the face. Biggest Fox. fight. Yeah, probably I mean, it's going to be great. I think, right, and that's a legitimate light heavyweight title. So if Canelo beats Bivol, and then obviously he's he's rumored to fight uh, Triple G next, which he would go back down to 168, defend his undisputed title, but he'll also have the light heavyweight title. And then Better Biev and Joe Smith are going to fight for the three belts. So in theory, Canelo could be undisputed in two different weight classes at the same time. Don't worry, people. Someone, someone's gonna find a reason to complain. It's <laughs> <But> absurd. <laughs> if everything goes well, if everything goes right for this guy, he uh, well, that's that's what drives him at this point. You know, you know, he's getting 160 million for three fights. I mean, that's 53 million per fight. He has all the money in the world, so I don't think money drives him. Of course, it's a big factor, but. It's it's the history, you know. It's 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 I think legacy, I yeah. I think legacy. legacy. Is, I mean, I mean, of course, I would, I would like to see him fight the um the Charlos and the Andres, but these these two opponents is they're not they're not bad fights. Um, everyone loves a trilogy, right. so I can't commercial. Agree. It's a commercial fight. Like my friends will hit me up about Triple G Canelo. Like let's right. just get that out of the way because I don't really care to see it for the third time. Yeah. I think. Well, I, I just want to see how Golovkin looks against Murata, and then I will. Um, yeah, that's the real. Yeah, that's the real question because um, you know, Glover's has, has kind of had a you know a subpar. His last outing was kind of like subpar. Mm-hmm. So he, I, and then the, the long, he's been out for a while. So I really want to see how he looks. Yeah. In his next outing, before we even get to speak about a Canelo fight, because um, like I said, he, he's getting up there as well, and he he's been in a lot of big fights himself. So yeah. let's see what he has left. And, and back to your, your your point before that, like I still think Canelo can fight. Charlo, he still can fight Benavidez. He's only thirty-one, and he's got to fight twice, two, three times a year. So he's free agent. So I I know fans want it right away, but you know that that could still happen down the road. It's very much in play. Uh, You know, he wants them to all fight each other. I don't know if you saw that Ellie Secback. Yeah, uh, I seen. I was about to mention that. At least that was good. And that's a great point, though. Um, Everybody wants Canelo to fight every everybody, but these other guys are not fighting each other. And I know Benavidez came out and said, "Look, look, I did call out." Plant, Charlo, and I give him that, but you know these guys got to start wanting. You know they they'll mention it in the in, in the interview, but are they really are they really making the actions a push for those for those fights? Right. Yeah, it's one thing to say, and you're right, and I do think it's going to have to happen. I mean, these guys can't sit around. He's tied up. Yeah. He's going to be tied up until at least December. Uh, so if you're Benavidez, I know he's fighting uh, Lemieux, which, you know, yeah, okay. And Charlo has nothing. Charlo has fought one time since the Derevchenko fight in October of 2020. He has one fight. It was that fight last June. Uh, Why? It's, it's, I can't remember who he, he fought, but he looked uh, Juan Macias Montiel and didn't look great, Charlo. So uh, 
I don't. I, I like Charlo. I want to see him fight Canelo, but he hasn't done anything over the last couple. Not only that, he's not even in the same weight class. So right. we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. Some big fights this weekend, Jamel. So uh, we got Friday night over on ESPN. Uh, top ranked card: Jose Ramirez versus Jose Pedraza, Mexico versus Puerto Rico. Uh, the 140 pound division, uh, like we just talked about earlier, uh, could be up for grabs if, if Taylor leaves. Ramirez's first fight since his first loss to. Uh, Josh Taylor Pedraza is Pedraza. Everyone knows who he is. Sure. He, he gave tank fits and uh, he's been around for a while. 50 50 fight, I think. Um, sure. leaning more towards uh, Jose Ramirez, though. I, you know, I like I say, it's too for me, Jose. That's my brother, that's my guy. But mm-hmm. this is, um, like you point out, Pedraza is not anyone to take lightly. Um, especially when he, when he, when he becomes the matador and when he starts boxing because um i know like i know jose personally too since we was in the amateurs jose's um jose can box but his main his main weapon is to get in your chest and stay there now and, and Bedraza, you know he's going to pick his shots and move and then on, on top of that he can throw he throws a lot of punches when he wants to he throws a lot of punches and that and that can um frustrate and, co- and cause fits and i'm pretty sure he he, he probably watched well i know for a fact you know him being a, um, a champion. He's he's watched the Taylor fight with um with Ramirez and right. picked up some things in terms of um you know frustrating um Jose. So it's definitely a, definitely an interesting fight. And like I said, I could see it going either way. In my opinion, hats off to Jose Ramirez. I mean, taking this type of fight. And- yeah, right. <laughs> after, yeah, right. Yeah, right after right after coming off the loss, he's coming. He's cheap, he's, he's trying to get back in the mix. And I, love, and I that. love that. Love that. He's a guy too that was rumored to be going up to one forty seven. So. But if he can still make the weight, like you said, stick around long enough, he can get a title shot too. Whether you know fighting Tiafimo or, or fighting uh, some of the other guys, uh, Zapata is under top rank banner, and I know he's uh, in line for a, a title shot too. Bar- uh, Arnold Barboza has been yeah, Barboza. That's what I mean. Like there's, there's pieces for these guys. They're they're ranked highly yeah. in all these different sanctioning bodies, yeah. <laughs> and and especially most majority of, of them are under one umbrella. So like. Top rank alone, ha, ha, you know, can put put fighters in places to grab, yeah. you know, um, titles left and right to make a, to, to make more unification fights in the future. Yeah, that's beauty. That's the beauty of uh, ESPN's and top rank deals. They're not afraid to put these big fights on regular ESPN. Let them let them go, like Stevenson and, and, and Valdez, which is going to be one hell of a fight. Who do you, who do you side in for that one? I know you. You know, Shakur, it's, uh, it's funny. Like you put up my um, my broadcasting. They actually called me to to commentate that fight. Um, I know I'm, I'm actually going to be commentating April 9th, and they asked me to do April 30th, and I told them I will. I have no issue doing April 30th as well. If I'm not too, if I'm, it depends on where I'm at in my own training camp. But um, like up on the that, like up on the desk. Um, they need to put me on the desk, <laughs> but but I think I think um. I not not because I lost, but I think Shakur just has a lot of um like styles make fights in my as I always say styles make fights. And mm-hmm. when you look at Oscar Valdez is, is a great fighter in his own right, but when you look at his last fight with um Canseo, the boxer, yeah. he had a lot of issues those first five rounds at least with just dealing with the range and the jab. Mm-hmm. Now we know Shakur, Shakur is not stupid. He's not gonna he's not gonna want to get in a dog fight with Oscar Valdez. So they can they can cancel that. Um, Shakur and Shakur is great with range. I mean, even when I was in there with him, being a longer fighter, he knows his he knows where he's at in the ring. Um, he's great with he's great with distance, and more importantly, his timing, his timing, timing and, and his eye coordination. So he like if he sees you even make a twitch, he's already he's already prepared to react. 
just wow. um, for defensive. So, and it's, I just feel like Oscar also being the smaller man, he's gonna have a, he's gonna have be working uphill to try to even get to Shakur. Because I mean, I look at it as um, if you look at his fight when um when Shakur won the featherweight title, something similar like that. You know, the, you know, guys trying to get trying to get in on, on his chest, trying to get in him, and Shakur just basically just picking the shots. But one thing, and the thing is, I spoke to Shakur personally because we do now we do text back and forth. Yeah, you guys are friends now. Yeah, we're friends. But I told him, I said, listen, I said, at the end of the day, you need to bring the same intensity you brought you brought in the ring when you fought me with this fight. Because this, this is not just a big fight in terms of you being a unified champion. This is a fight that can now, as you wanted to be placed on the pound for pound. Oh, hell yeah. You need to um, you need to stay focused. And we had a great conversation. But That's awesome. That's I'm great. Looking, I'm looking forward, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And, I, and like I said, Oscar Valdez, I'm, I know he's hungry and he's no easy outing. So I told Shakur, he has to be sharp. All 12 rounds. Yeah, that's a great fight. April 30th. Um, Valdez wants to land that patented left hook. I, I want to see Shakur get uh I think he's gonna win. I, I think Shakur's gonna win, and I also think he's destined to be top three pound for pound, and whether it's in the next year or whatever, 18 months. I I want to see him in face a little bit of adversity. I want to see Valdez right. hit him with the left. How does Shakur How react? react? Because right. Shakur has I mean, his punch stats, I have all the stats like absurd. Like outlanded his opponent in like forty-five straight uh, rounds, you know, barely gets touched and double digits, barely. I mean, his defensive metrics are off the charts. So I, I want to see if if Valdez can can crack that, uh, you know, crack that code. And you know, he's got Eddie Reynoso in his corner. It, it's just, just yeah, unbelievable. He has a great, fight. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Valdez definitely has a has a great team. Definitely has a great team. Eddie Reynoso is um is great at um building the game plan. Because, um, like I said, we've I, we've seen even Canelo change up different styles for different. It just depends oh, yeah. on the, the opponent. So, um, he definitely has a great team. But like I said, I, you, I will obviously lean towards Shakur. But yeah, I think I, mean, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think I don't think it'll be an easy outing. But we'll, no. we'll, we'll, who knows? Love it. So many big fights coming up on the schedule. Uh, April, March is going to be good too. But April is the month. Every right. weekend there is just one big fight after the next, and then we roll into May. And the return of Jamel Herring uh, in mid-May. Love that. The yes. Fighting Marine, uh, thank you so much uh, for coming on and being my co-host this week. I think you have a future in boxing uh, media when it's all said and done. I appreciate it. I appreciate it, Dan. Anytime, man. This is always this is always great. Just like Especially when you have a, a, a huge schedule, it's always great yes. to talk about a lot of good content out there with the sport of boxing. So I love it. Love it, man. Catch up with you soon. All right, Dan. Take care. All right, let's bring in the one and only Lee Groves of CompuBox. He's a researcher for us. He's a punch counter. He is a walking boxing encyclopedia, one of the best uh, people in boxing. Lee, how's everything going? I know we don't have baseball, but we have boxing. Yeah, we do. And, and in West Virginia, we have pretty nice weather, sunny and 70 degrees. That's unheard wow. of. That is unheard of. I went to West Virginia University and... Those warm days in Morgantown, those were good. We, we didn't go to class those days. Don't tell uh, my dad, all right? Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk Chocolatito. Um, obviously, he is fighting this weekend. It's a huge uh, fight for him. Anytime that he fights, it, it's a big deal. He's taking on JC Martinez. And uh, we'll get to the breakdown of the fight, but I wanted to have you on to kind of go through the statistical uh you know breakdown or the the how just 
unbelievable this guy has been over the years when it when it comes to punch volume when it comes to uh, accuracy when it comes to prolific performances so we're going to do a top five this is lee groves top five chocolatito roman gonzalez performances take it away lee with number five uh number five was his uh his rematch uh with francisco rojas in october 2010 so at this point gonzalez was the wba interim champion at 108 and this was a rematch of their february 2009 fight in which chocolatito retained his wba minimum weight title by a majority decision so that was one of the tougher fights of his reign at 105. so now nearly 19 months later gonzalez wanted to prove a point and he did so emphatically by blowing him out in less than two rounds in just over a round and a half gonzalez landed 81 total punches 74 power shots and in doing so he landed 54 percent of his overall punches a very high number and 61 percent of his hooks crosses and uppercuts in the second round alone chocolatito landed 70 percent of his power shots. <laughs> 70 you you always 70 you, you watch a fight and you'll hear everyone all oh, going back to the hbo days every analyst say when you get close to that 50 percent mark when it comes to power shots you're most likely uh, gonna win the fight and but 70 that's utter utter uh you know annihilation so yeah uh, number amazing. five uh rojas uh the rematch for chocolatito had a lot of rematches in his career this was supposed to be a trilogy fight uh he is not afraid that's the i think that's the reason why fight fans are have gravitated towards these lower weights because they'll run it back you know they have no problem making the best fights they have no problem you know, making uh, rematches with these fights. And, and that's been the case for, for Chocolatito's career. That's number five. What do you got for number four? So number four was his October 2015 fight with Brian Valoria. Ooh, yes. And in Valoria, he was facing a former champ at 108 and 112. And he also was facing a member of the 2000 U.S. Olympic team. And while Valoria was able to hang with Chocolatito early on, he just couldn't keep up once uh, Gonzalez shifted into overdrive. Gonzalez scored the first knockdown of Valoria's career in round three, and he averaged 106 punches per round in the final four rounds of this fight before stopping him in round nine. Uh, in stopping Valoria, he landed 42% of his overall punches, 55% of his power shots, and on top of all that, he produced the fifth highest connect total among flyweights in CompuBox history with 335 <laughs> and, the second, and the second most landed power shots among flyweights, 315. Right. That was a pretty awesome performance he put on that night. Yeah, just put it into perspective, 315 power shots. Just this weekend, Fernando Martinez, when he uh, upset Jerwin and Kaas, landed 421 power shots. <laughs> So that just showed you, you know, I always like to put things in perspective. I know you, you do as well when you put together our research and when we're just talking stats. But yeah, Chocolatito lit it up that night. And, uh, you know, it's funny you bring up that he threw, what, 100? He was averaging 102 punches thrown. That's what around the average, 106. That's around what he was averaging. I know it's just one fight for the last fight with Estrada. The guy's longevity and his just sheer, uh, you know, when it comes to just putting together great performances and like the consistency of his punch yeah. volume is in super, super impressive. That was the case uh, that night, a big time performance from Chocolatito in 2015. All right, we're heading into the, the, the final three. What do you got? 
This is amazing. Uh, the third fight on this list was his first fight against uh, Srisaket Sorungvisai, a fight that he lost by majority decision. Mm -hmm. uh, he entered this fight as the reigning number one pound for pound fighter. And even though he officially lost this fight by majority decision, most observers, including me, thought he did more than enough to win despite suffering a first round knockdown. The basis for this was that Gonzalez had one of the best statistical nights of his career. He landed 441 total punches to Sor Rungvisai's 284. Uh, he landed 44% of his total punches to Sor Rungvisai's 30%. And he landed 56% of his power shots compared to Sor Rungvisai's 36. And not only that, Gonzalez's 372 landed power punches set a new copy box record at 115 and he lost he lost yeah how did that he happen lost. i know i was there i was I ringside that was on the triple g uh jacobs card uh it was the co-main event and right like you said chocolatito was the he was the guy at that point he had a few fights on hbo people started to understand who he was the hardcores knew him but now the casual boxing fans were understanding who he was we see him in this in a co-main event on one of the biggest cards of the year he outlands his opponent by almost 200 punches. Like you said, you went over all the percentages. Uh, one of the most brutal fights, all things considered, you know, whether, uh, you know, you agree or disagree with the decision. I think most people would disagree. But one of the most brutal fights I had ever seen ringside, just so much blood in that fight. You know, it's up there with um, Triple G versus Derevinchenko when it comes to most brutal fights I've seen ringside where I question, like, why? <laughs> why or why we do this and uh it was one of those nights and uh yeah that was that was tough for gonzalez and obviously the rematch uh did not go well and then that's when everyone thought he was done that's when everyone thought he was finished he was only 30 uh after the trilogy or excuse me after the two fights with rung but that was a night where we saw it this past weekend with the Catterall taylor with the with judges just got it wrong judges got it wrong that night you know chocolatito won that fight yeah he did Number two. So number two uh, was uh, his first fight with Juan Francisco Estrada in November 2012. Yep. Now, going into this WBA light flyweight title fight, Gonzalez was just ripping through his competition. He had knocked out eight of his last nine opponents, all within seven rounds, and many expected the same fate for Estrada. But even though Estrada lost a lopsided decision on the scorecards, he was good enough to force Gonzalez to fight and extend himself fully. And here's the evidence for it. They combined for 2,133 total punches and 1,622 power shots. But in the end, Gonzalez had one of his best nights as he outlanded Estrada 419 to 257 overall and 335 to 235 in power shots. And here's another thing. He landed 40% overall 40% of his jabs and 40% of Ooh. his power shots. That's a rare trifecta in, the, in copy boxing. Yes, the very rare 40-40-40 club. You know the 40-40 club 40-40-40 club, yeah. The 40-40-40 club in boxing, is that's uncharted territory. It really is. And, and, and not only that, he finished the fight very strong. In the final four rounds, he outlanded Estrada 170 to 115. And considering the fighter that Estrada would eventually become, yeah. this fight and this performance looks so much better, doesn't it? Oh, my God, yeah. I mean, just 
That's what I mar- that's that's what I marvel over, and it's one of the like my favorite one of my favorite stats uh, ever. And that just says a lot is the fact that Roman Gonzalez threw and landed the most punches in a fight in 2021, in 2020, and in 2011. That just shows you right there. <laughs> Ten years apart, with so many wars in between, he still had the highest output of any boxer. In all of boxing, the guy is a national treasure. He's a world treasure. Can't wait to see him fight this weekend. All right, I'm doing a drum roll here. Drum roll number one. Chocolatito performance on Lee Grove's list is? Uh, it is his July 2009 fight against Katsunari Takayama. Mm-hmm. And, and to me, this is one of the best and most exciting but lopsided wars that you will ever see. The two men combined for 2,705 combined punches, 1,354 for Takayama, 1,351 for Gonzalez. So it was a true two-way war. And they also combined for 2,189 power shots, and and Gonzalez threw 1,242 of them. Gonzalez retained his WBA minimum weight belt because he was so much more accurate than Takayama was. He landed 44% overall to Takayama's 29. And uh, he, he uh, landed 45% of his power shots to Takayama's 33. He landed 147 body shots to Takayama's 100. And he finished strong in the last four rounds, 275 to 143. But here's the topper. This is why this is number one on my list. He landed 50 or more total punches uh, in six of the 12 rounds. And in three of the final four rounds, Gonzalez landed 70 or more total punches <laughs> and 70 or more power shots. That's just amazing. Insane. Especially down the stretch too. Like, you know, when guys, yeah. most guys get tired, most guys uh, fade, not, not this guy, not Roman Gonzalez. And also that, that, that fight was significant because it was the most combined, uh, most combined punches landed in a fight in one Oh five history, 900 in uh, 88 Roman Gonzalez has uh CompuBox records in three different weight classes, 105, light flyweight, and super flyweight. Of course, uh, most combined punches thrown in a fight. Uh, that was that came twice for uh, Roma Gonzalez. Did it, uh, you know, in that uh, Estrada rematch last year when they combined to throw over 2,500 punches. In this fight, they combined to throw over 2,700 punches. I think one thing that's clear from this discussion is that for the last 12 probably more years, 15-ish years, Roma Gonzalez has been an absolute beast. Uh, you know, the, the hardcores have, have watched him over the years. The casual fans have picked up on him. And now I feel like he's, he's getting his just due, uh, I would say, over the last couple of years. Of course, um, you know, when he won the title again back in 2020, that's kind of lit off a, a resurgence. Many people had him beating Estrada, but he's in tough this weekend. He's in tough with, with J.C. Martinez. Let's talk about the fight this weekend. Uh, supposed to be Estrada for the third time in steps. Uh, J.C. Martinez jumping up uh, in weight. We see Bam Rodriguez do this just a few weeks ago, uh, and he won. Uh, you know, do you are you giving J.C. Martinez a chance, and how much of a chance are you giving him? Giving him a really good chance of winning the fight. And as you mentioned, I'm looking at this fight through two historic prisms. Uh, Last month's fight between Jesse Bam Rodriguez and Carlos Quadras. You know, first Rodriguez was a late replacement for Sarang Visay, mm-hmm. and Martinez is a late replacement replacement for Estrada. 
And second, Rodriguez is 11 years younger than Cuadras. Martinez is seven years younger than Chocolatito. And third, Rodriguez is coming off a 112-day layoff compared to Cuadras' 15 months. Here, uh, Martinez is coming off of a 106-day layoff, and, and Chocolatito's been off for nearly a year. Rodriguez ended up flooring uh, Quadras in round three and winning a decisive decision. So what will happen here? The second prism is that in Chocolatito, Martinez is facing his idol, just like Rocky Marciano did when he faced Joe Lewis, like Terry Norris did when he fought Sugar Ray Leonard, and to a lesser degree when Larry Holmes fought Muhammad Ali. The big difference between this fight and those fights is that the older fighter Chocolatito may still be at the top of his game. After all, most people, including me, thought he should have won the Estrada rematch. Right. So after this long layoff, does Chocolatito still have it? We'll find out on Saturday. But as, as for me, this fight is very similar to another fight from, from the past, Larry Holmes and Carl the Truth Williams, in that the older man is fighting a younger mirror image of himself. Mm -hmm. Because one can say that Martinez patterned his style after Chocolatito. He's a whirlwind, just like Chocolatito is. And like Holmes versus Williams, I believe the older man is going to have a tough time holding off the younger version of himself. Yeah. This is going to be man versus man, motor versus motor. And I believe this fight will live up to every expectation. Wow. I'm choosing Martinez to win on points because he's seven years younger, because he's coming off a shorter layoff, because he's fighting at a more comfortable weight. There was word that he was wanting to move up to 115 anyway, mm -hmm. and he'll be motivated for the by an opportunity to win a world championship in a second weight class and do so against his idol. I think Gonzalez is closer to the end than the beginning. And at 34, he's ancient by 115 pound standards. Yeah. Martinez may be just the kind of fighter who will make Gonzalez grow old. And not only that, he's a switch hitter. So that's another wrinkle that he's going to have to account for. It's going to be a very tough night, and it's going to be a great fight. Too. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a well, well said, Lee. It's going to be a great fight, and I'm curious to see a few things. If Martinez can fight fire with fire, you know, you know, uh, Chocotito throws, you know, close to 90 punches around, especially over his last five fights, it's 93 punches uh, around throw. Yeah. You know, I want to see Martinez can, can you know, match that pace and uh, you know history has shown that he can when his opponent throws uh you know steps it up he steps it up too and, and the power uh too you know i want to see if he can uh coming up from weight uh, like you said though he, he's probably more comfortable 115 so the power department where roman gonzalez isn't considered a a one punch knockout guy anymore maybe earlier in his career he's more of a volume he's more of overwhelming you I mean, this fight has it all. I mean, it's going to be amazing. Uh, you're picking JC Martinez. I like that. It's bold. Uh, I think um, I speak for a lot of fans when we're like, oh, this is, this is the night. Okay, this is the fight where Chocolatito gets old. This is the fight. There's no way he could beat Estrada in their, in their uh, rematch. You know, Estrada uh, is trending this way, and Roman is on the uh, north side of, of 30. And like you said, at that weight, I mean, that's really, really tough. It's going to be a great fight. We're going to see if Chocolatito can pull out another, uh, you know, trick. We're going to see if JC Martinez will keep this trend going of the young and upcoming guys that are now taking over this division that is probably one of the hotter divisions in boxing. You know, Rung Visay is, is looking from uh, the outside in. Uh, Estrada is looking from the outside in. What's Bam Rodriguez going to do? It's a really, really intriguing uh, division. This is a great fight with a legend versus uh, uh, taking on a guy that, 
you know, idolize them. I mean, that's always fun narratives. Uh, great talk, Lee. This was great. We packed in a lot of information uh, into this segment. I hope you uh, fans enjoyed it. And uh, Lee Groves, follow him on Twitter. He is a great follow, great dude. Thanks, Lee. Thanks, Dan.